Welcome to the intersection of Black culture and horticulture with your girl, Cola B. Talking. And guess what, y'all? We Black in the Garden. Hey, it is your girl, Cody Talking, the hostess with the mostest of your favorite Black botanical show, Black in the Garden, the podcast, that is, because you know it's a whole brand by now. We've been doing a lot of things. We've been building and growing and stretching just like the leaves of your favorite tree. All right. So like I said, I'm Cody Talking. I like to lead with that because some of y'all are just tuning in for the first time. And you know what? You are welcome. This is my co-host in case, well, he didn't say nothing yet, but my co-host, the illustrious, the botanist, the chocolate, crazy, if you are politically incorrect, if you will, Derek Haynes, the chocolate botanist, say hello to the soil cousins. Hello to the soil cousins. (laughs) Oh, he's coming in warm. Okay. I'm coming in very warm today. I'm coming in very soothing. I'm giving ASMR. Mm. Um, I hope you all are having a scintillating night and mm. may your days be chocolatey and delicious. The illustrious chocolate botanist, we are so happy to have you with us as anytime that you are with us. It is always a privilege. And so we're just going to get into all the things, starting with y'all. We got a sponsor. Okay, we have also an illustrious sponsor, season five of Black in the Garden podcast. If you've been keeping up with us on our socials, you may be aware by now that the Atlanta Botanical Garden, that's right, the one and only in Atlanta, Botanically Gardening is the sponsor of season five. And we're going to talk a lot more about that later on in the show, because I want to share with you kind of like the origin story, the backstory of uh, why that is so significant to me. And that is a true sign of uh, growth and development and just perseverance on my end as the host of this and the creator and (laughs) the most of everything of this here, very black. Very botanical podcast. So, Derek, it is winter. What's popping with you? I know there's mycelium, something like that. What's going on uh-huh, out there uh-huh. on your What's patio? What's going on out there on my patio? You know, my patio is um, whatever state it's in because we all know I'm a tropical plant and I cannot stand the cold now. Understood. But when it comes to me walking out there, yesterday in North Carolina, zone 7B. It felt beautiful, okay? Mm. It was one of those North Carolina days where, you know, it was kind of like fall, summer in North Carolina, but it's still the winter. Yeah, spring and came for a little visit. Yeah, she she came in, peeked the head in, stuck a leg in left, you mm-hmm. know, grabbed her, grabbed her scarf, threw it around the neck like Walona, and just and just went on to have some better times. Like some Walona. Good times, if you will. Uh-huh, some good, good times, if you will. Good times. So it was insane, but I walked outside, and again, I just caught sight of it. And I was like, this is the most cool thing in the world. And, you know, granted, fungus destroying wood that I use to support myself and all of my stuff outside probably isn't the most like things that you'd be like, oh, my God, I'm so excited about. Mm-hmm. But I am feeling it. I'm really feeling it. And I'm loving it. I just hate the weather. I do. Because I, I just looked over and noticed my gloves were beside me. And I just gloves. Hate, I hate yeah, my gloves. The, the covering the up of the skin, the, the you fact know, that just, it's just 30 degrees outside. Anything below 70 is freezing to me. So when it's anything below that, and I'm like, I gotta be shivering in the cold, somehow get through all these layers I got on. 
Yeah. And then everybody's looking at me and judging like, oh, Derek, you're wearing And I'm like, because I won't catch Benaya Mania like the rest of you people that's walking around with your arms all showing, your shoulders are showing. Wait a minute. And you're that's, and you that's, will catch COVID. Right? Okay. I'm sorry. I have to interject. For those who are uninitiated to what we call Afro-Carolinian speak, phenomenia, whatever that was that you did, that's pneumonia. That's pneumonia. Okay, y'all keep up. <laughs> I'm going to help y'all. <laughs> All right. You pronounce it and let us have you want to. I do the same. So yes. you're going to catch the COVID because your shoulder's out and you're shimmying. And like mm-hmm. Ace Vane done said, this is how you catch pneumonia. And mm-hmm. the COVID we out here shimmying like Suge Avery, but that's another story for another time. All these challenges. This is why the this is why I'm Marion is still out here dancing because y'all doing all these challenges. Listen, all these dance challenges. If y'all just get somewhere, and sit down, the pandemic will disappear. Okay. Well, that's one way to put and it. Sit still. There's a lot of ways. Yeah. Two, you running in and out of the house. Grandmama told you about that. You either going to stay no, here or she stay did. Out. Yeah. If all of us sat down and watched Murder She Wrote and mm-hmm. all my children. The pandemic will be gone. We ought to, I want to give a quick shout out. We ought to tune into the New York Botanical Gardens YouTube because oh I was just Lord. looking before we got started. Our soil uh-huh. cousin, Camille, who was on season one, just like Derek was, of the Black in the Garden podcast is on there discussing plants as liberation, boo, because the plants be liberating us. Okay. Find out my you better know. Being the plant blurred. And the plant blurred herself is out here discussing botanical things with none other than the institution, the New York Botanical Garden. And we love to see it. So shout out to that. And uh, I get it, Derek. I totally get it. You and the winter, not good friends, not the best of friends, not even really fooling with each other like that. I get it. Similar to these plants, really. I want to stick a pin in that because I want to come back to that. We want to make sure that if you're listening, that you know all of the ways that you can support this here podcast. Because yes, we do have sponsorship, but that doesn't mean that these expenses do not continue. And if we are as independently produced and all of that as we are, then we certainly do appreciate the support of all of our soil cousins who have the means to do so. So now, first and foremost, if supporting monetarily is not your jam or not within your ability. No worries. You can share, share with your people, share on your socials, send a text message right now. Your hands is free. Get your phone out right now. You probably was listening on the phone anyway. Go ahead and share this in whatever way that you can with as many folks as you can at this here very moment. And that makes a huge difference. Okay. Especially if you know somebody like Oprah. You see what I'm saying? You can make a big difference. If you know Gail and Oprah, you could go ahead, hit them up on MySpace or something like that. That's right. On Google Plus, you know, one of the good social media websites. And you can say, look at our dear Cola. Ain't she grand? Ain't she phenomenal? Don't she be talking? And you can just take the time out and share her. You could go and share her with Sally Jesse Raphael. You could do that. She had a talk show. Okay, do it right now. Jenny Jones and Ricky Lake deserve to have you on their show. Somebody. Listen, you could go okay. and share with your local news people or, or even like a journalist or something like that. We love media like coverage. Like Don't do that. We're can... not going to disrespect at this time, especially because she's not well. She's just not well. So we're just going to put her on the sick and shut-in list. Ran over. We are, but many people that she done ran over. 
But you know what? Since you went there, since you went there, we're gonna go there. Let's go there. So Wendy Williams, all right. I gotta give a big shout out to Wendy Williams for being one of my predecessors in the black media landscape. And that is not lost on me. That is very significant to me. I actually have a photo that I'm gonna send you here, Derek, in just a moment. And I will share it. I did. Yeah, I took a picture with her. Yeah, I met Wendy. She did a live, she did a tour. And we're going to talk about the tour that I'm doing here in just a few minutes. But since Derek want to be talking about Wendy, I said, well, let's talk about Wendy. So long story short, I did not grow up in one of the markets where she was played. But I was thinking about Wendy Williams the other day. Um, I read a few of her books And I watched her show. I was a big fan of her show for a while. She did start saying some stuff that was problematic consistently enough for me to feel like I can't really continue to rock with this. But I can still, problematic or not, I can still give the flowers to the legend as they are deserved. And the thought that I had the other day was specifically this. I was thinking about how a podcaster who was being very disrespectful to Ari Lennox and that wasn't cool, made her very uncomfortable. And Mm. it made me think about what female in the media space in radio or, you know, just broadcasting in particular had men grown ass black men, even hip hop men, you know, rappers out here shaking in their boots. And the one answer to that There's only one answer to that. And that's Wendy Williams. She had people scared to come on her show. And I'm not saying that's why she should get her flowers, but I'm saying that that was a very big thing that I'm not sure everybody really gives her her flowers for Mm. when it comes to the way that she gained the notoriety that she did. Of course, she was messy. Of course, she was spreading all kind of rumors and saying all kind of crazy stuff about folks. I'm not saying she didn't do none of those things. But what I am saying is that... For me, myself, identifying as one who truly does appreciate Black femme kind of feminism or womanism, whatever word is your jam, even though I know that that's not what Wendy claims to align with, I can still see how she contributed to women having more respect in the media and as being producers of media. And and of course, we know she moved on from radio and went on to have a very successful television show. And we hope that she'll be able to get back to that. But that's why I'm just like, no, 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 no. Let's not disrespect Wendy because one thing about Wendy that allowed her to have the success that she has, and this is my last point, Ah. is her work ethic. And can't nobody deny anybody's work ethic when it is that strong. I remember reading a story about her and how she left her car in a tunnel. She had to get somewhere she had to be to record on time. She left that car in the tunnel when it broke down. She called AAA to come and pick that up. And she called a cab at the same time. And she was out of there and she made it to where she had to get to on time. She wasn't playing around. So mm-hmm. we want to give Wendy her flowers. I know this is Black Garden. This is a Black Botanical show, but this is also a podcast in the lens of broadcasting. That's why I'm like, uh-uh, you ain't going to just, you know, what was that on uh, uh, In Living Color? <laughs> Mm-hmm. We're not going to talk bad about Miss Jenkins. You're not going to talk bad about Miss Wendy. You're not going to talk bad about Miss Jenkins. I heard anybody talk about Miss Jenkins. We're not going to do that right now. We're not going to do that right now. We're going to give her some time to recover. I will say, she does need to recover. I do hope she is well and able to return to being, you know, just as messy as she was before. Because, you know, Wendy, I love a good shaded person. My talking don't take away from the legacy that she is. She is a legacy. She's a legend. 
we can't say there's nobody that do it like her. Well, you got people that aspire to be close, but even on the, the realm of gossip messiness, if you want it done right, you need Wendy. She knows what she's doing. She knows she how to know get the how people to, talking. Okay. She knows how to get the attention. That's it. That's it. So we're going to give Wendy her flowers. And I like that. Perhaps I'm going to put a note by that in in indication because this is still a show. We're flowing here. What we're trying to do is establish like the whole structure of this as we go. Sure, Mm -hmm. I need more people on my team to help me keep this stuff in order. But as long as I'm the sole person sitting in the producer chair, it's going to be me. So that's something that I want to keep going in the future is giving folks their flowers because it's botanical, right? right? Yeah, yeah. I I think that it doesn't even deserve explanation. Your podcast is literally the intersection of horticulture and Black culture. And that means those are two separate roles that met and black people are a whole dynamic, just like horticulture is, mm. and all things that come with it, whether it is us talking about Wendy and recognizing her, or us talking about, you know, our favorite house plant and yeah. how my house is a jungle. You know, it, it's everything <laughs> more. <laughs> all of that, it truly is. And at the end of the day, the whole story, if you've been following along as an OG, triple OG soil cousin that's been listening to Black in the Garden from the beginning, then you know that this is truly at the end of the day, as far as I'm concerned, a story of growth, my growth as a podcaster indeed. And we're going to get into that a lot more when we get there, but we're going to get there. So listen, Support, right? We were talking about support. So we share if you share if you don't have the means to, to contribute in a monetary way. We have a few options for you. You can join the Patreon. That's very simple. You will get special access to special things. We're sorting all of that out as well. Please don't judge me for trying to do all the things at once. I'm a hyper creative. Apologies in advance. But one thing that I can assure you is that Supporting me is certainly worth every dime because what happens when we uplift Black women? It is uplifting every segment of society. Now, I didn't say that. Angela Davis said that. Okay, freedom fighter. So listen, you can argue with Angela about that because I'm not here to argue with you. It's a podcast anyway, so I kind of get the last word. So... (laughs) There's that. But look, mm-hmm. we have the Black in the Garden coloring experience that I am always excited to sh- excited to share with you because it is botanical Black excellence. Once again, if you are an OG soil cousin, then you are aware, especially if you've been keeping up on Instagram in particular. I want to give a shout out to Paula Champagne, who is the graphic illustrator, story, a visual storyteller who has designed these incredible illustrations of so many of our guests on Black in the Garden. What do we do with those beautiful illustrations, but turn them into a coloring book so that while you are listening to the Black in the Garden podcast, you also get the Black in the Garden coloring experience. Now, do you understand why we call it an experience? Because it's a whole experience. You get to listen to me. You can even color me while listening to me. That does sound a little bit narcissistic, but I can assure you I'm not. (laughs) I just want y'all to keep up. I just want y'all to have something to engage with. I appreciate y'all so much. Those of you who have already bought the Black in the Garden coloring experience, shout out to you. Those of you who haven't, here's a few options that you have. Get one for yourself. Get one for a friend, soil cousin, family member, uh, even an enemy. You know what I'm saying? Maybe y'all need to reconcile some stuff. And maybe if you give them this coloring book, then y'all can squash the beef. 
I, I always like to put that out there. That's an option. We want to take the high road, as our, our, our great auntie Michelle Obama would say. So, yeah, you can join the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash black in the garden. You can get some swag by going to blkinthegarden.com. Another way that you can support the podcast and just the movement altogether is by supporting the underground arborist movement. And that is new. I'm very proud of that. I'm trying not to do all the things, but here's what I will say for now, because we're going to talk a lot more about that in future episodes. But Black in the Garden is a business. True that, right? But the Underground Arborist is an extension of Black in the Garden as a 501c3 nonprofit organization. And the sole mission is to go forth into every state in this here U.S. of A and plant a tree. Me, myself, Cola B. Talkin, the hostess with the mostess of the Black in the Garden podcast, I just needed to do something that is IRL and go and actually break ground and just make an impact that is truly uh, set to be a legacy. So it will be myself and my young children, and we are going to go forth into every state and plant a native female tree. And we are certainly going to get into the importance of planting native female trees. But what's most important right now is we're getting ready to get started within a week of us recording this here right now. And even within a month or in about a month from as I'm saying this right now, I will be in the very same jurisdiction as Derek planting a tree there because we already have some stops planned. We are getting all the logistics set up, as you can imagine, is a very large project. The Underground Arborist, you can find that at Underground Arborist, all one word, underground, like the Railroad, okay, and that's specifically intentionally on purpose. Underground Arborist, A R B O R I S T dot org, because it's an org, boo. So go ahead and get yourself on over to that website and do what it do and support in the way that you can support monetarily. Fantastic, we love that. We love partners. We love sponsors. We certainly love to have all the resources that we can have that will make that be as incredible and remarkable as it is set to be. If you need a tree planted in your neighborhood, especially if you are in a neighborhood or know of a neighborhood that has been traditionally redlined. Did y'all know that they be redlining? They had been and probably still to this day redlining uh, certain neighborhoods urban, I'm using air quotes, AKA black neighborhoods. Uh, many black mm-hmm. neighborhoods have less trees than wider, more affluent neighborhoods. And I'm not saying that there are not affluent black neighborhoods. We know better than that. We are not a monolith. Mm-hmm. Many of us are affluent, but unfortunately many of us, of my skin folk, are not affluent and are living in areas that are disproportionately affected by a lack of trees. And I am not Captain Planet to go and do all of the solving of that problem, but the underground arborist is certainly going to get the conversations going. That will get more attention to the need there. And so I am excited about making a difference in that way. And I hope that you will be excited enough to join me in that mission in whatever way that you can. But just start by going to undergroundarborist.com. 
dot org. Uh-uh-uh. Let me fix myself. Dot org. <laughs> That's how new it mm-hmm. is. I got to get used to saying org. OK. And so you can support that. But if you looking for dot com, trying to swing my way with your support, shawty, <laughs> you see what I did? I know you like the good mm-hmm. Show <laughs> mm-hmm. swing my way. Show look good to me. So go on over to blkinthegarden.com. I took my mm-hmm. phone. <laughs> and oh, put you. in your dim for support with merch. I want to speak at your institution. I want to speak at your your college, your group, whatever y'all got going on, y'all garden club, whatever the case may be. I'm cold to be talking. Put this mouth to good use. Talking that is okay. I will come yeah, through yes, and yeah. I will put my skills to good use and get you straight about the black past, present, and future of horticulture and and everything related to that. There's an opportunity that just came up right before I started recording that I cannot even mention right now. Mm-hmm. But my next episode, I should be able to tell you all about it. So that is an example of a speaking opportunity that I am looking forward to. But hey, book me. I say all that to say, book me. Speaking of the books, let's get into the history books. We're gonna get into Black Botanical History. The unequivocal, the astronomical, the illustrious Wangari Matai is the Mm. first Black Botanical History figure that I observed. And that is because she is such a huge inspiration to me, considering everything that I just discussed with you about the underground arborist. So, Derek, are you ready to get into this Black Botanical History mixtape? I want to share with you. I've been sharing this on the Instagram. That is where you would do best Mm -hmm. to keep up with some of the more IRL. I mean, in real time. That's not an L. IRT, whatever. That's where you do best to keep up with the happenings as they happen and the things that I share on a more daily basis. And so, of course, it being February and of course, just hearkening back to the episode where you were even introduced to Derek, the the chocolate botanist, and really, truly an episode that even changed his life, as he would say. You know, it's true. We discussed George Washington Carver, the botanical goat. I didn't even get to him yet in February. We started with Wangari Matai. And the reason why she is so noteworthy and such an inspiration to me is because she was responsible for organizing the planting of over 20 million trees. 20 million, okay? Megs is the street term that I just learned about on Power last week. But... (laughs) Because it's a big, rich town. But I want to plant trees in the poorest parts, okay? You see what I did there? But yeah, no, that's what Mangari Matai was doing. She, is a, she was a Kenyan woman. She did pass on to the ancestral realm back in 2011. But in her life, in her heyday, she was out there planting trees out there with women, uh, especially as she was an advocate for women's rights and the rights of the poor and just very similar kinds of interests as our beloved Martin Luther King. Also similar in an extremely important and relevant way, she won a Nobel Peace Prize. Yes, she did. You can look it up. You don't have to take my word for it, LeVar Burton. All right. Wangari Matai, we salute you as Black botanical excellence and black botanical history. So Derek, hey, where are you at with that? 
It is so amazing to see a power of a woman, especially a Black woman, because as you all know, I often will say that Black women fix everything. To see her tackling the effects of global warming and reforestation by planting all them trees, all of that carbon sequestered, all of that temperature, just affectation that would happen, all of that home and and providence it would provide for the wildlife, for the ecosystem as a whole, for the people or in that area. To, To see all of that happening when we all know, or should know at least, that our woes with the climate crisis is due to industrialism that was pushed and spurned on through, bless you, the ravages of colonialism. It touches me that Wangari was able to touch so, and to, to grow and cultivate such a change. What a legacy, okay? Like, 20 million trees. How many trees are in a forest? Do you have any idea, Derek? More than seven. More than seven? That's all it takes is seven trees to make a forest? I just made that number up off. Where seven or more <laughs> trees are gathered. Hallelujah. <laughs> there you have a forest. There you thing. have a forest. And in his forest is fullness of life. <laughs> and fullness therein. I'm looking at you, botanist, to give me an estimate as to, because that's a real question. It depends, okay? it depends and, on, because a wooded area, it depends on how heavily wooded it is. So when you're saying like a forest, you know, you could be talking about like the Croatan National Forest where I'm from on the coast, mm. where that is a there's a long periodical series of trees and it spreads throughout various areas versus other forests that may be more self-contained and or have been again separated and broken up due to just, you know, topograph blah. We're gonna skip over that word. Due to uh-huh. It's okay. Mm. I, I I killed it and we're gonna we call it words. kill Keaton. Because I killed that word. Mm. But uh, when it deals to how the landscape has changed, how we have affected landscape and change, and just in general, um, even diseases wiping out forests, like it it just depends. But a Mm. forest is so many trees. And you said she planted how many trees again? Over 20 million. And I imagine that because that was so freaking many, she wasn't like keeping tabs. Like, I just planted another one. Tick. But mm-hmm. that was because I at you first did. I saw That's 30 million and I was just like, but then I saw 20 million and, and it was on a more credible resource. So I was like, we don't go with 20, but, you know, more than 20 million mm-hmm. is a God darn lot. Yes, it is. Because it's, think about how many trees that is. That means if you line them up, you'd be walking forever. Like if you walk and this is where it's getting difficult for me to say this is how many trees are in a forest. Like, imagine for those of you who are, you know, Blacks who are able to go into land escapes and be safe and feel safe or risk it, as some of us do, where we try to go into these green spaces and exist. You see so many trees, mm-hmm. so many bushes, so many woodland species, so many grasses, right? So many different floral species or fungi, an occasional mm-hmm. demonic squirrel running around and we're not there to and we don't go but when we go there just imagine how many trees you see you you see a lot and you may not see unless you're doing like some extreme hiking and climbing you may not see even a hundred thousand trees in your periphery maybe right depending on how densely yeah 
then how densely packed it is. And this is if we're cutting like full trees and again, like woody species that are bushes or whatever. If you count all that, you will probably not see even a hundred thousand. And how much more significant is just 20 million trees? That is a lot. Astronomical. It, and it's a phenomenal uh, start. But even for what I've seen, again, she's doing more than a lot, a lot of people have done. It's still not enough. So imagine if us as Black people were allowed the freedom and liberty to plant that many more trees, especially like you to tie it back to what you said earlier, in our neighborhoods where we often run into areas where it's flat and there aren't trees that we can sit and enjoy for whatever reason. Mm. Just, just imagine. That's really it. Like that's, that's really it. It's just so meaningful for so many reasons, which is why the Underground Arbors tour will be in effect for quite some time. Um, mm-hmm. Me being over ambitious and also perhaps a little bit impatient, really initially thought, I'm going to do this in three months, child. We just go chop, 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 pow, pow, plant, boom, we out. But want to give some time to really be able to plan it out and Mm -hmm. at least honor that legacy of Wangari Matai. Who knows, perhaps one day um, I will, you know, hit that mark in my lifetime. I'll probably try to do a better job of of documents and keeping up track with Mm -hmm. the number of trees. Just write it on the tree and marker. That's a good way to do it. That's one way to do it. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll try to keep up. But I will be documenting and, you know, I'll be uh, keeping the YouTube uh, popping. We're going to get some things going on. So that's but we're here to talk about the Botanical Black History. First figure being Wangari Matai. We salute our ancestor for being great in that way. So another Black botanical history figure that we have celebrated thus far in February on the Black in the Garden Instagram in particular, definitely go follow that if you're not, is Blanche King Hurston. All right. Now, Mm. I feel like I'm putting a lot of y'all on to Blanche King Hurston, and that's fine because somebody had to put me on. I didn't just wake up one day knowing, okay, maybe if I was a medium or something like that, then she would have came to me and been like, Cola, you got to let the people them know about me. But that's not what happened. It was, <laughs> it was Abra Lee, who I consider a mentor in the horticultural space because she's just that girl when it comes to horticulture. We do have an episode with her coming up. It's been recorded. It's just been a lot going on. So I just did not get to give that to y'all yet. But that's another reason why you should get on Patreon because I know it's going to be on there first. But long story short, Abra Lee put me on to, because what she does is she keeps up with the history. She not just keeps up, she literally digs up botanical Black history and she is getting ready to be published in that regard. And that's about as much as I can say. But Blanche King Hurston is someone that she told me about and she brought it up super casual. It was so cute how she said it. She was like, child, you know, um, Zora Neale Hurston's sister-in-law was a florist. And I was like, say word. The truth of the matter is Blanche King Hurston is actually the sister-in-law to, yes, the famous Zora Neale Hurston. And the noteworthiness of it all is that Blanche King Hurston owned and operated the first florist shop in Jacksonville, Florida, a.k.a. Duval. 
I have to say it like that because I grew up there. So those of you who know, you know, but that's huge for me growing up there and to not know. And then the house or the building where all of these functions were functioning in 2013 was demolished. And y'all wrong for that. Y'all know y'all wrong for that. But y'all know who y'all are. And we're not here to talk about y'all, fortunately, because this is botanical Black history. But yeah, Mm -hmm. Blanche King Hurston, she had a chauffeur, okay? She was Mm -hmm. out here doing the floral things. Her floral arrangements were highly coveted by many, including many of the uh, white florists that were also in business at that time. Now, I was... Digging and digging. I didn't get to mm-hmm. specifically speak with Aber about it, but in my research, I could only kind of ascertain that this shop was in business between the 1920s and the 1930s. So that's the best that I have because mm-hmm. the thing about Black history, when we when we when we venture off of the well-beaten paved path of the Martin Luther Kings and the Rosa. Um, Oh, Lord. Rosa Parks. Lord, don't let me have forgot our ancestors name. Uh, Rosa Parks Mm. and George Washington Garber. Once we venture off that well-beaten path and start to really get curious about some of the other ways that Black people have contributed historically, some of the details get a little bit murky. And so shout Mm. out to the archivists and the students who are out here and the writers and the journalists and the historians who are doing their very best as we speak day by day, probably listening to this podcast right now, because you all know it's mostly nerds that listen to this, which we love. Soil Cousins, we love you all. But <laughs> I mean that in the blurs is what it is. Going back to our homegirl, uh, Camille. But yeah, those are the ones who do the digging to find it. So shout out to them, truly. Shout out to y'all. Y'all know who Mm. y'all are. And yeah, shout out to Blanche King Hurston for being out here. And also she grew her own flowers. (laughs) Mm. She grew them. She didn't grow every single flower that that she used. She also would find uh, pieces for her arrangements. Those of you who are familiar with the art of floristry and floral design, would be aware that it's not just flowers that go into floral arrangements. There's other elements like, say, Spanish moss, which is Mm -hmm. commonly found in Georgia and Florida on the East Coast, down deeper south and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And she would go out into the woods. She would forage for elements to put into her arrangement. So I'm just so honored and thrilled to be able to share that kind of detail and that information with you. But like I said, she had a show for and she was out here putting the floral arrangements together. She had a great relationship with a mortuary that was also in business at that time called Shaw Mortuary and put together a lot of arrangements for them. She also was a, a really proficient seamstress and she was actually a woman of many talents. So yes, certainly, certainly worth celebrating. You want to tap in and speak up on, on, on behalf of our, our beloved Blanche King Hurston. You said everything so beautifully, but I just oh, wanted to connotate this to the good listeners and the viewers. The soil cousin. The soil cousins, as you will, us um, in the media ministry, the growing media ministry. Come on. When now. it comes to all of us living wherever you are, where a Black person has ever existed, 
there is so much hidden history there that may be hidden in somebody's archive or may have been destroyed or not even notated because Mm -hmm. Black history, all of our history isn't as recorded as thoroughly as our wider fellows that we know that we have been forced to learn, such as Mm -hmm. the Columbuses of it all, or the first person to do this in the Guinness Book of World Records and the the Colonel and his herbs and spices. When it comes to (laughs) us as Black folk and who we are, it's not all as easily accessible as it seems to find. So I definitely challenge you to try to find out any Black history icon whether it's somebody historical from the past or somebody making history now within your hometowns or counties or states and find them. There are so many people who, there's so many things where I just didn't know. Like I think the first black police chief in New York, I think it was New York City or in New York in general, was a black man from New Bern. Wow. Like my hometown. The, they did a, a heritage kind of his slavery project at UNC down the road. Mm-hmm. And they have a tape of some of my ancestors talking about the history of Newburn, my my ancestry, and the church that, you know, the family cemetery pot is where my family gave the land to the church to have this area and to own this area. And again, that history, we can go into land ownership and all types of other stuff later, but that history is ever so important. So definitely we talk about these people who have been, you know, impactful to the world in a big way where we have no choice but to ignore them in today's time, or somebody who was connected to a, a Black icon. That person was iconic themselves, but that connection yeah. allows us to look at them now and say, oh, you were doing this. But definitely look for those people who, who may have been, you know, looked over, who may have been ignored, whose histories may have been just, frankly, bleached away. Look for those I people. mean, it, it could have been somebody in your very family, somebody in your house. You know, it could be you. You know what I'm saying? So it really could be. It's really Black history. I just want to emphasize what we're emphasizing, that it is not limited to these historic figures that we all were made aware of <laughs> that seem to get more of the spotlight. Mm-hmm. Then how do I say this? It's like if there was a spotlight, hypothetically, Mm-hmm. figuratively, then there's so many figures that deserve that shine and yet unfortunately have been and still so many still to this day in the shadows. So we're going to do our best to try to bring some attention to those. Going back like way, way super far, just right quick, botanical mm-hmm. black history, guess who else made the list? That well, Cleopatra. Cleopatra coming Isn't at that you. something coming at you? Cleopatra coming at you with establishing laws to protect earthworms because she recognized how significantly they contributed to soil health. And as a result, okay, some of you may know because many of you listening, y'all be knowing these kind of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, during her reign in ancient Egypt, the Nile River Valley boasted some of the most fertile soil in the world, all right? Mm. And that's all shout out to vermicomposting. Vermicomposting, if you are the uninitiated, is very simply the the practice of using the worms and their byproducts or their, their uh-huh. I guess, 
Is that the you right way? Products poop. Let, let, let uh-huh. a botanist explain uh-huh. it. What's Barmer compost? Oh, this is great. <laughs> so we bought this people know about vermicompost because the worms are important to us, right? So in the whole thing of soil science and the soil composition, there's a lot of things that are important, whether it's nutrient availability, how easily accessible plants can get the food that they need, or the aeration of the soil, basically how much air and then thus water, liquid, whatever, can go into the soil. Different plants have different expectations, different desires, different wants, and different media have roughly the same composition, their compositions, their recipes for like clay or sand or silt or loam or potting soil is all different. So when it comes to these earthworms, and the vermicomposting of it all, it's basically us using them to more quickly compost our food scraps and waste, right? So if you have a compost pile, pile, blah, compost pile, pile. outside of your home, because mm-hmm. I kept wanting to say pole, compost pile outside of your home, and you yeah. let that, and that thing is on the ground and it's in the back corner somewhere, chances are the worms are going through that as well and they're going to be breaking stuff down microorganisms, the insects are breaking stuff down. But again, the worms are just basically inching through. And as they eat it, the, the vegetable scraps, they're, they're making poop. Now, there's a lot of other stuff I could say, but Derek has a YouTube video that's going to be either coming out yes. or out about curving compost by the time this drops. So if you go to my YouTube and him, you will see, because I have a whole explanation and everything. I show y'all, I update my worms, take, check on them, look yes. at them, make sure they're all right. So, yeah. We are tag teaming y'all with this knowledge. I, and I need y'all to be grateful, okay? Because it, grateful. sometimes it feels very thankless. So the way that you can show your gratitude, Derek will drop all of his information at the end. But right now, mm. I need you to, right now, if your hands are free, go on over to the YouTubes. And subscribe to, what's the name of your channel? The, the Chocolate Botanist. The Chocolate Botanist. Go yeah, ahead YouTube. and get com. ready. Yeah, go to YouTube.com or slash The Chocolate Botanist because he is going to be telling y'all as much as y'all need to know. He's not going to give y'all all the tea right now, but just understand that vermicompost is, you know, a way of, of using the worms and getting that organic waste from them. Okay, that's a cute way to it say really it, is. right? Isn't it? Yeah, it really is. <laughs> to transform soil into a superior nutrient-rich fertilizer. All right, so Cleopatra mm-hmm. was coming at you, making sure yeah. that y'all better not be out here just plucking up worms for whatever you got <laughs> going on. Leave them worms in there because we got work to do agriculturally, we will be that much more successful if we have great soil. And if you want to really dig deeper and just fall all the way down the rabbit hole, go on over there to that University of YouTube and learn a little bit more about the unfortunate soil erosion crisis that is happening as we speak. So sorry if that ruined your day, but that's real. So we got we got work to do. But yeah, shout out to Cleopatra for um, being a very ancient predecessor and someone who understands, understood the importance of uh, worms as a leader. You see what I'm saying? Because our when, mm-hmm. when was the last time you heard any world leader talking about composting? That's mm-hmm. the real, that's the real tea. I'll wait. But while I'm waiting, we're going to continue with the botanical black history because we truly don't have time to wait. But 
So we went way back in the ancient history, and now mm-hmm. we're going to come to the present and discuss mm-hmm. a very sweet and darling young botanical Black excellence subject by the name of Kendall Ray Johnson. Y'all, oh. it warms my heart. Yes, warms heart. And listen, Derek, cut this out. Listen, Derek, I need maybe about 15 more minutes and I think we'll be fine because you just yawned, so I don't want to hold you. I'm not even going to hold you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I know no, we got the Okay. No, keep going. So, okay, we're going to keep going. She's Kendall, such an adorable girl. An adorable girl. Kendall, oh my God, six years old, y'all. First and foremost, a six-year-old. But let me tell you about her in case you hadn't heard by now, if you was not keeping up, she is the youngest certified farmer in the state of Georgia. She has a whole farmer out here, okay? I was going to say whole ASS, but I'm going to be respectful because we're talking about a child. But she's a farmer, and she is uh, not too far from Atlanta, south side of Atlanta, something like that, because, you know, mm-hmm. we ain't going to get into the topography, geography of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Just but know she's somewhere out there in that state of Georgia. She's somewhere out in the state of Georgia. She's been featured on numerous press Even CNN, that's what I shared on my Instagram when I discussed her. But yeah, she is the youngest certified farmer in the state of Georgia. And she prioritizes growing, not just for herself and her family, but growing for her community. And I cannot emphasize this enough for those of us who have the ability to grow, um, the resources to grow. You really can make a difference in your community. And um, a six-year-old has sorted out as much. And so our mm. grown asses can certainly sort out just as much, if not more, and go ahead and get out there. And shout out to her parents, truly, because, you know, you can't be in a position to do all of that. You know somebody had to fill in that paperwork. <laughs> they did, you know, and I'm sure they had to help her do this or at least give her access to the internet. Because, you know, these children, these children nowadays are smart as whips. They can just, Very you true. know get it together, but it's it's beautiful that not only did she have that vision, but the adults around her were able to, to really celebrate that and to help her get to that place because mm-hmm. there's sometimes, and I know we're plant people and we're supposed to be talking about plant stuff, but sometimes yeah. in the Black community where, you know, I feel like we we be like, we just need to let kids be kids and we stifle the the actual development and growth of children trying to to let them be or force them to be kids by saying, well, no, that's that's for for adults. And I'm not saying to let them go out and put, you know, makeup on and dance and do the hoochie coochie all the way on. Oh, but God. if the they desire to have <laughs> yeah, they yeah. they want to go and do something big and beautiful in this world. They want to go and say, hey, I'm going to be a business owner or start this brand or design or paint or whatever, let those kids do that. Because I think we, we think that kids are supposed to be, you know, only playing games and being an anime all the other times. And we don't often remember that our, our, again, our white peers, their children are allowed to go and do other things. You know, if your kids decide they want to do a, be a video programmer, then okay, if you don't have the money for it, okay, that's a different story. But if you have the resources and the accessibility, like let them, let them live out that dream and that fantasy because it could be something where they've been doing it forever. Because again, all white peers, some of them have been doing whoever it was, whatever it was since 
seventh grade, since seven years old, since first grade. And now they up there doing it on the big stage, making money. And we are playing catch up because again, we're just like freezing the timeline, trying to enjoy these children. Like, I tell you what, cut it out. Let the kids be kids by letting the kids be. And look, let the kids right? be. Let them be what they want to be and indulge them in their interests, nurture those interests. You know, uh, sometimes mm-hmm. that might require some sacrifice if you're able to make that sacrifice. You know, like you think of a Tiger Woods or, or the Williams sisters and and what went into the molding of them as kids into the champions that we know them to be, that definitely required mm-hmm. a reasonable amount of sacrifice from the parents. No different with Kendall Ray Johnson, but A, when 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 we see the excellence and, and we really do nurture that, wow, it's noteworthy. It's incredible. And it will really have you out here. Just like, wow, she did that. He did that. They did it our little young soil cousin. So we are very proud to be able to share that. And uh, we have one more on the Black History Mixtape Volume 1. <laughs> That's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. This is Volume 1. <laughs> well, this, well, this is just side A. Okay, that's one this way to put it. This is side A on the, because you got a cassette tape. I thought this was going to be a cassette tape, the mixtape. Well, you put the cassette tape in and then yes. you flipped over. I haven't been in a real 90s vibe the last you two are. weeks. I don't know why. But I say volume one because I'm just thinking mm. about the title of the episode. So, like, just rock with that. You just know what? That. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Because, you know, I forget. And also the cheering probably don't know that. <laughs> you keep going. I, you know, I have to keep my producer hat on. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes it might get a little heavy, but I'll be trying. But look. You, you do a good job now. Thank you so much. Botanical Black History Mixtape Volume 1. Juliet Sargent. Uh, <laughs> She made history in 2016 mm-hmm. as the first Black garden designer to win a prestigious gold medal at the Royal Horticultural Society Chelsea Flower Show for her modern slavery garden and also won the People's Choice Award. Incredible. The, the win at RHS, the Royal Horticultural Society, that is a mouthful. Mm-hmm highlighted the lack of diversity in gardening. And boy, if you could just imagine what it must be like at a Royal Horticultural Society, probably not that Black, okay? Mm. So she went over there in 2016 and she won that. And that is incredible. And um, Julia Sargent, we salute you, a, a living historic figure. She's still out here being historic and Black and botanical and excellent. And um, that's really dope. What you know about the Royal Horticultural Society? I don't know nothing about the white people. Well, I feel, what I will say is um, slave gardens. Let's talk about that real quick. Slave let's, gardens, let's. I learned about this from um, Plants and Culture, ran by the illustrious Alex up there in California. Wonderful. Slave people. gardens were literally just this, gardens that the enslaved people of yesteryear had that allowed them to grow food that they were able to use to supplement their diet. Mm. This woman won an award. You said she was the first black, right? That's right, 2016. And it's 26 that that was 2016. So she won a typically white award by showing the 
be an example with I'm sure much more resources than our ancestry had of what they had to do in order to get the land. So these people are people who were given land that was often seen as maybe undesirable. They might have had rocks and clay in it. It might not have really been as um, organically sustained as our gardens are now where we can go and get compost and boost it up and we can do fancy soil tests, right? And and fix everything up. But yeah. these people, our ancestors, had to make do with what they had. And even if the land was the most fertile land straight from the Nile, after the grueling task of being enslaved, which had no days off, no vacation mm-hmm. time, no sick leave, you were either pushing out another baby or you were going to be dead if you were caught not being out there unless you were, I guess, severely injured. You also breastfeeding. You have these people. Master's babies. Yeah, which, which again, you're still working because you you still giving up yourself. After doing all that work for free, mind you, they would then have to still upkeep their own garden sure. for not just mental stability and what potential small semblance of control over something that they would have had in their lives as a, a an atrocity as the atrocity of living in that time and seeing white folk run over black bodies and treat us as if we were tomatoes or cows to be bred but we even still somehow less than because you didn't keep up with us enough you just try to just make more treating us as less than even the the, the produce and the earthworms of the soil right three-fifths uh-huh but still and that was just that was a compromise at that so i'm sure people wanted a smaller number and some people wanted definitely a bigger number but when we see all of that and we see these slave gardens, again, just, just really consider that. A lot of us garden because we definitely want to have and get access to those organic fruits and vegetables. Mm-hmm. We want our own produce. We want to grow this. We want to grow that. We want to grow our own flowers. We want to just be able to have something to sit and look at. It's something for us to do. But this was not just for survival in a world where we can still go and get an Eat Better Tomorrow card and go and get your groceries from the store or use your Eat Better Tomorrow card at the um, farmer's market or whatever. I just, but I see what you eat better you, tomorrow. Yes. Uh huh. Eat better today, hours. eat better tomorrow. Yes. Uh huh. So, but you, but we as Black folk could not necessarily go to these stores and purchase food from these white stores. And I keep saying white because I want people to see that this was a white world that Black bodies had to exist in. And these slavery gardens, again, gave them the ability to survive off of the scraps that they might have gotten from mass in them, in addition to whatever seeds that they brought with them, that they generationally had with them during the, the, um, the transatlantic slave trade to even other things that they may have cultivated from just general ingenuity. A slice of tomato here, we save two of these seeds and we grow some. A pepper seed here, let me get this together and, and, and grow this thing so my kids can eat so they don't slip and fall and massa whoop them or massa whoops us and beats us and lashes us out. Ooh, they yeah. tore up this earth. So in that way, their bodies would not have been potentially torn up, their flesh uprooted as we uproot so many weeds. Wow. So 
Bingo Bongo. I've been watching a lot of uh, Women in the Movement. Oh. Women in the Movement. It talks about Emmett Till and his mama. Oh, and it's a listen. dramatic telling. And I just finished it like before we got up here. And, and I've been in the mood. I've been in a mood. So, And y'all got to understand white people listening to this, our white soil cousins, just leave us alone in February. Okay. And I don't mean don't, don't talk to us, but like just, you know, pro- approach with caution because we do be getting in our roots bag. And that shit is frustrating. It, it is never... <laughs> It's never a good time for us to reflect on the disparities of uh, the, you know, the the horrible ways that we've been treated, um, the leading to the disparities and the the things today with access, justice, so on and so forth. We just mm-hmm. we just listen, just help. You know what I'm saying? Be an ally, like for real though, like in a real mm-hmm. way. Sacrifice something. Uh, in order to help to advance uh, the interests or, you know, the the access or something like that of Black folks, all right? So, and, and with that in mind, certainly contribute to this podcast by going to those websites that are in the episode notes, all right? Support the uplift, okay? Shit, I'm talking about me right now. Like, I'm one of <laughs> shit, there's plenty, but start here. <laughs> Start at home. It all starts at home. Share. Yeah, absolutely. Share if you don't have the monetary uh, means. But, you know, I mean, it's halfway jokes, but like definitely for real. So there's that. But look, coming back to the sponsors, sponsor of the Black in the Garden podcast, I just need to tell y'all something right quick. It's story time. So the Atlanta Botanical Garden is legit sponsoring the Black in the Garden podcast. And I have to say legit because it still don't all the way feel real to me. You can find the Black in the Garden coloring experience on the shelf at their gift shop. Huge deal. Considering the fact that your girl, you just mentioned that every, what is it? Eat better tomorrow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> EBT. Eat better tomorrow. Eat, I have been on that. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, as recent as maybe like 2019, probably, I probably was on it when I started this show. I can't fully remember, but I certainly have progressed in a very significant way as a result of starting this thing, starting Black in the Garden and building this community as I have and really, really, you know, working and and so on and so forth. It's been so much. I can't really itemize it all for you, but I will say this. I shared it when I first announced on my Instagram, which, you know, that's where you should keep up if you want to be day to day or whatever. The memory that I had, I shared a photo from being in the greenhouse where the imaginary worlds was being constructed in 2018. If you're not familiar with imaginary worlds, ask Auntie Google. Brilliant, breathtaking. If you missed it, so sorry for you. But the imaginary world uh, was an exhibit that was worth like millions, millions of dollars. Like I remember being in that greenhouse and then discussing how they had, what is the people that do the thing with the with the metal blacksmiths or whatever, the welders had oh, the welders, to put all yeah. these massive structures together, then like take them piece by piece by the truckload from Canada, um, the producers of that show, and bring them down to Atlanta so that they could then be covered in um, landscape cloth and filled mm-hmm. with uh, soil. And then we were in the greenhouse. I was literally 
face to face with the people watching them insert the plants into these incredible, like breathtaking structures that so many people who saw the exhibit undoubtedly just passed by and were like, oh yeah, that's so pretty. That's so nice. But like perhaps did not consider the effort and the work and the labor that went into putting those together. Once again, like I said, millions, millions of dollars were spent (laughs) to put this together. And my black ass barely had two pennies to rub together to even be out there. I remember I was driving rideshare at the time. Do not recommend, but hey, um, you got to do what you got to do. Um, And even in driving rideshare, as part of that experience, I was very intentional. One of the perks to me for driving rideshare was actually practicing my craft. I knew that I was going to start the podcast as soon as I could muster up the, the gumption to do so. But I would have conversations with my passengers and I would practice conversation control. That's a very real thing. That's if you watch the greats who do the interviews, they have a way of having the conversation and steering the conversation in a way. And y'all see me do this all the time, especially with somebody like Derek ass. Because <laughs> he ain't got no sense. <laughs> I was to say, I'm nearly impossible to do it. So you got to be able to stop me before I get started. It's I like will you, take the real. It's like you got to grab the reins of a conversation and you have to be able to steer it in <laughs> such a way. And that goes back to my production skills, I guess. This was all intuitive, by the way, because this was not something that I had specifically studied. I dropped out of college when I was going for communication. So there's also that. So just kind of bringing it all back to full circle. But yeah, I was driving ride chair and I would, when I had my passengers, I would have conversations with them and I would just, you know, explore their stories and learn about them. And I would listen and, you know, I would, you know, if they started talking about something and getting to sound like they wasn't making too much sense, then I would steer them away from that as well, because we're not going to be in here talking about politics too deep. You know what I'm saying? Stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I was driver ride chair, barely making ends meet with that. That was shortly after I had lost my last trucking gig. Wasn't really bitter about that because I truly had come to hate trucking. But that's another story for another time. Because all of that was happening, because I decided before I lost that job, shortly before I lost that job, I remember speaking it out loud and saying, I want to be aligned with the thing that is going to help me to make my living in this world is going to be the thing that is in alignment with my calling. That's not verbatim what I said, but that was, Mm. that was the vibe. Shortly after me saying that I did lose that job and I did recognize that there was a connection there. That didn't mean that it made things easier or that didn't mean that it made the bills Mm. any easier to pay. Definitely got evicted around that time. Like shit was real. Okay. It was really, really real for me. And I remember wanting to be in the botanical spaces as I was in Atlanta at the time. Being in Atlanta Botanical Garden was a huge deal for me because I just recognized it as such an illustrious and gorgeous and spectacular space. And I did not have the means to afford admission. So I knew from my experience in wanting to do things and wanting to have access to things and becoming somewhat accustomed during the time when I was in a marriage where it just was like always struggle. There was rarely ever financial stability. So I had figured out some ways to gain access to things by volunteering. Basically, volunteers always get in free. And most of the time Mm -hmm. you'll get a meal and a t-shirt. So 
I became the master of free bands, as the kids would call it. So I volunteered so that I could get in for free. And I volunteered maybe a few times. I felt really bad because, you know, we went to orientation and all that. And I didn't even really get to put in that many hours. But I took great pride in the time that I did get to volunteer at Atlanta Botanical Garden and going backstage, back behind the scenes at Imaginary Worlds was absolutely a highlight for me in that experience. And I'm so glad that I was able to get some photos. Once again, tap into our Instagram so that you can see those photos because I definitely will be posting them on my timeline. Shortly after that volunteer opportunity ended for me just because I no longer had the means to really just make it as far as having enough gas to drive as far as I had to drive to get there. And like I mentioned, it was dealing with eviction and moving to an, a whole other side of town and stuff like that. Things changed very rapidly. And interestingly enough, um, that was spring 2018. Within less than a year and a half, my marriage ended and I started Black and Garden and boom, shakalaka, boom, here we is, okay? Just kind of fast forwarding through some of the other events that, you know, I ain't going to bore y'all with all my drama. But um, it is worth noting that coming from such humble beginnings and just barely being able to even get my ass in the garden to be Black in it, to starting the podcast and the platform and the brand Black in the Garden to hear now on today as you are listening to this, if you're listening to the sound of my voice right now, this podcast is proudly sponsored by the Atlanta Botanical Gardens. Hey, hey, that's a huge ass deal. Okay, paid. The check was nice. I'm not going to lie. It was a cute check, but we got more work to do because I don't just say, hey, here is success. I am done trying now. That means you got to work that much harder mm-hmm. so that you can continue to get the other opportunities. And they certainly are aligning right now in a major significant way. So I appreciate my soil cousins who have been here since just a few minutes ago. This episode, the last episode last year, the year before that, since 2019, um, your support, support is tremendous and it is not taken for granted. You know, don't roll your eyes when I start talking about ways that you can support because it's not a small thing at all. Every little bit counts. And, uh, you know, I'm over here giving you botanical black history. That's research, that's time, that's effort, and so on and so forth. I'm over here booking guests and and wrangling this one right here, the chocolate botanist, because that's Mouth Almighty. You know, if Mouth Almighty was mm-hmm. first, <laughs> it would be that one. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that is that's a little bit more of the origin story and the just full circle, bringing it all back around. And that's why I said, look, we're going to open up season five in this way. In season five, we will certainly be discussing a lot more about the importance of trees and why I am planting them and why they need to be planted and all the impacts that they're having in our world. And we will also be discussing a lot more about the connections between plants and and things. And we will just, you know, different things. And we will also be discussing more about you know, the past, present, and future of Black people in horticulture. That's the whole theme of the whole thing. And as far as February and beyond goes, but just starting in February, Botanical Black History is the jam. It's the mixtape. So Derek, make sure you let everybody know how they can support you. If you want to just chime in right quick on this 
fabulous story that I just told about my humble beginning. <laughs> Whatever you want to give, we 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 are okay. I hope y'all got a, I hope y'all got a good thirty minutes to listen to my testimony. She told her, Damn. "I'm gonna tell mine." It started about twenty years to thirty-one years ago in Newburn. It was a Sunday day. No, really no, we're gonna not gonna do go this. there. You're not gonna um, do it because then I got to <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not gonna go over it. Here's the thing: if you want to support me. You can follow me on a lot of different platforms. But if you go to my website, thecrazybotanist.com or thechocolatebotanist.com, you go to either one of them websites there, it will tell you all of my platforms. Because I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Twitter, I'm on the YouTube, okay? I'm on the TikToks, okay? I'm on MySpace, Google+, Yahoo, AOL, The Messenger, LinkedIn. I am on um, Tag. I am on... Uh, Telegram. Stop before I'm you get to them apps that they ain't got no business okay. to about. Yeah, they and I'm on a, and I got several burner accounts that are all very derogatory and somehow still plant themed. So with that being said, I would have an OnlyFans account, but as I told Cola earlier, I just do not have enough fans in this house. So with that being said, you know, follow me wherever I may be. Thank you. <laughs> We love to see it is what we be saying out here as we're young in these streets. But yeah, I that was a great time. And um, that is the conclusion of our Black Botanical History. It was a botanical. Why do I mix it up? I made it up. Botanical Black History Mixtape Volume 1. Mother... No, we're not going to say all that. But yes, thank you so much, Derek, for being our resident botanist, being illustrious and chocolate and all of those fantastic things. And y'all, look, do the research for yourself. I never said that I was here to give you the full story just because like, who has time? And I am here to encourage and inspire you to really dig deeper on your own. That's that was the cuter way to say it. But in all of those things, in in appreciation to our illustrious sponsor, Atlanta Botanical Garden, we'll be talking more about that and all the things that I said we will talk more about in upcoming episodes. But for now, we out. I'm wish you love, light, and soil.